0: Thank you very much for this inspiration you have given to us in this service. Luke, the 8th chapter, beginning to read at the 40th verse. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he besought him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she was dying. And Jesus went, and the people pressed round him. And a woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood Ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the multitude surround you and press upon you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. For I have perceived that power has gone forth from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well go in peace. And while he was still speaking, a man from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she shall be well. And when he came to the house, he permitted no one to enter with him except Peter, and John, and James, and the father, and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and bewailing her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Amen. Don't expect everyone to enter into Jesus' life or Jesus to enter into everyone else's life as easily as he entered into your life. That's rule number one that we learn from the ruler. Don't expect everyone to invite Jesus in to their lives as easily as you have. It's very, very difficult for some people to come to Jesus or to allow Jesus to enter into their lives and their homes and their business. It's very, very difficult. Most of us, we we want to come to Jesus' house, but we're really not interested in Jesus coming to our homes. We don't like that personal confrontation with the healer and the master. Oh, we want to talk about him. We want to pray to him. Like that woman, we want to be hid in the crowd and reach out after he passes and touch him with the hope that some healing or blessing will come, but we don't like to eyeball him person to person, and we'll do most anything to stay away from a personal confrontation with the Lord. You have to understand that. Some people, some people don't come to Jesus either figuratively or literally falling at his feet until they have been greatly humbled. And when you're a big ruler, it takes a mighty fall for you to fall at the feet of Jesus. You have to understand that. Some people can come in humility at the feet of the Lord only, only when they are threatened with some type of death takes a lot, you see, for some people to come to Jesus or allow Jesus to come into their lives. Take this particular ruler, Jairus. He was an individual who could have come to Jesus anytime. I'm sure he had heard him on many occasions. He had watched him create miracles. But it took the near death of his only daughter, 12 years of age, then it was that this ruler felt that he wasn't too big to come and fall at the feet of jesus and ask jesus to come into his life and into his home it doesn't always require bodily death or other kind of deaths you know i know some people who have come to jesus or allowed jesus to come to them only when they are faced with the possibility of some death coming to an experience or a relationship or some condition in their life, when they are frightened that they're going to lose something. That's the only thing that brings Jesus into their lives. One of the reasons that Mr. Bruder and myself and, and, and other pastors present and throughout the church are involved in what we call crisis ministry, that is dealing with people who are who are facing some traumatic experience in their life is not just because we want to show them love and concern and the support of the body of Christ, it is because we realize at moments like this that people are open more to the presence of Jesus in their lives than at any other time. It takes the threat of death, some form of death, many times for us to, to open our lives for his curing and healing and convicting and converting spirit to come in. We have to understand that. That all people do not come as easily to Jesus or allow Jesus as easily to come into their lives as, as have some of us. I say that to you because I know some of you present today and those listening over the radio, you have a great concern for somebody who's very dear and near. Or you are facing some experience and you're afraid it's going to die and you don't want to lose it you call or you counsel or you want help and we have to say we're sorry we will pray with you for you but that person's not ready there has to be a little more experience of the threat of death in one way or another and we say so with sorrow on our lips yet with conviction in our hearts because you see it's a role of life that not everybody comes to Jesus easily and that's one of the rules that you learn from a ruler that maybe your loved one or that particular experience that you are concerned about Jesus will come but unfortunately there's going to have to be more suffering and more threats of death before he can be invited to come in that's rule number one. And rule number two is when you invite him in, don't become discouraged when he does not act as quickly as you would like. I get very upset with Jesus sometime. He doesn't respond as instantaneously as I would like and I'm sure some of you share that same experience God's timetable, you know, is not according to our timetable and we must learn that because that's a rule of life. Take this poor ruler, Jairus. He could have come to Jesus yesterday, but he didn't. He could have waited until tomorrow, but he couldn't because it was his little daughter, 12-year-old only daughter who was dying And though it was a very difficult decision to make, nevertheless this ruler knew that he had to have Jesus now. And like the rest of us who have had a problem for some time, when we finally decide that the moment has come to do something, we want it done right now. Some physician friends tell me that the patients that always upset them the most are those patients who have had a cold for three weeks or a pain for three days, but who decide at 11 o'clock Saturday night that's the moment they want to be healed. We're all like that, aren't we? That's what the scripture, I think, is trying to tell us with Jairus. Here he was, he came to Jesus, and we wanted help, and he wanted it yesterday. And Jesus consents to go to the house where the little child lay very, very ill and Jesus is on his way when all of a sudden he is interrupted with a request of a woman who wants to play games and Jesus plays games with no one but this woman you see wants the impossible she wants Jesus to heal her without Jesus knowing that he is healing her and that's impossible so hoping that she will remain anonymous within the crowd after Jesus passes she touches the hem of his garment Believing that she can be healed. And Jesus will have no part of this kind of mockery of healing power. So he has to stop. And because this woman wants to play games, because she is afraid to die to her own feelings of wanting to be left alone, they waste time. But eventually, Jesus, in his power, is able to straighten out the situation and to show to the the woman and to those others present that his healing is not magic, but is based upon a person's faith. And when he does get this lesson taught, much time has elapsed. The woman is thrilled because after 12 years or 144 months of having a supply of blood flow from her, she now instantly is healed. The disciples are thrilled and the people standing around because they have witnessed a miracle. Jesus is thrilled because he has been able to help one more life. Everybody is thrilled but poor Jairus. And you can almost feel the anxiety, the fear. The feelings of frustration, the the anger that he had for that woman who, like himself, could have come yesterday to be healed or could have waited tomorrow. After all, she had waited 144 months. One more day would not have mattered. You see, we get uptight, don't we, when Jesus spends as much time with other people as we want him to spend with us. And we get discouraged. Poor Jairus. You can almost feel the the blood going out of his face when that messenger from the household comes and and says your daughter is dead and then almost you can read the sarcasm and the chastisement that is in the voice when it says you have no need for this teacher now you have the feeling that this ruler wants to get Angry and and wants to fight back as as you and I do when we are frustrated. But Jairus does not. And notice what Jesus is. Jesus does not try to help the situation and say, Gosh, Jairus, if only I'd have hurried a little bit more, I would have been able to do it. Jesus doesn't say that ever. He did not say, Oh, Jairus, I'm sorry if this woman hadn't gotten in the way I I would have been able to help your daughter. Jesus never says that. He never plays one against the other. Instead, all he said, do not fear, only believe. And that's the key, you see. When you and I get excited, we've invited Jesus in to help, but he's not helping as quickly as we would like to see him do. Don't give up believe and I think that's the most difficult thing I have to learn in my life to believe that Jesus is working when I don't see him working as quickly as I think he should that's a second rule of life when you invite him in don't become too discouraged when he works not as quickly as you would like only believe That he is working and the third rule don't tell Jesus ever how to do his job don't tell the Lord how to solve the problem you see that's our big problem isn't it it's not that we don't ask Christ to come in and cure and help and heal oh we ask him but our our problem so often is we tell him how to do it and nobody tells Jesus to perform a miracle. He's the boss, he's the master, but that's a tough rule for rulers to learn. It was Abraham Lincoln during one of the great battles of the Civil War that one of his lieutenants came to him and said, let us ask God to bless us and be with us during this campaign. And Lincoln said, no, No, I am not nearly concerned that God is with me as much as I am concerned whether or not I am with God. There's a difference. When Jairus and Jesus got to his home, here, here were these professional mourners. They were all set for a funeral. They were weeping and they were wailing, and Jesus says, she's not dead, and they laughed at Jesus. Yeah. You see, they didn't believe he knew what he was talking about. They didn't believe that he could pull it off. They thought they knew God's work better than God knows his work. When you invite Jesus into your life, or into your home, or into your work, don't tell him how to do his work. And the fourth rule is when he's helped you, healed you, performed a miracle in your life, don't expect to explain it to everybody. Don't expect or try to explain it to anybody. Now that sounds odd, doesn't it? but it comes from that one verse of scripture that has given fits to Bible interpreters which is in this passage which is in other passages following some of the miracles which Jesus has performed Jesus says don't tell anybody now why did he say that why would Jesus after doing such a wonderful beautiful thing tell people to tell no one Now, the commentators have had a field day with that some say it's because They did not, or Jesus did not want the people to know of him as a miracle worker as much as a Messiah. Others say, no, his time schedule was not right, and he didn't want people to anticipate what was coming. And then you have interpreters clear on the other side that thought, oh, the reason Jesus told people not to tell was he was such a master of, of human emotions and nature that he knew if he told people not to tell, that's when they would tell. He knew then, you know, one of us know that we all know today that the fastest way to get a message around is to make it a secret and then use the telephone, the telegraph, or tell a woman, or or, excuse me, tell a person. (laughs) You see, I, I don't know if that's his logic or not. I don't mean to add to the confusion, but I really think my own life that why Jesus made such a demand for silence was that he did not want people to think he did not want them to tell it was because he knew that we cannot tell how miracles happen and this is when we get filed up when we try to give earthly terms to heavenly experiences when we try to explain with our own theories that which is unexplainable Because it dwells in the realm of the mystic. Jesus, you see, doesn't want us to complicate the situation or muddy the waters by putting our input into something that we fully don't understand. Jesus does not heal us or make us well simply to put us on his list as being public relations and advertisers for his presence. Jesus heals us because he loves us. All he wants us to know is that we are people who are loved as sons and daughters, not that we are to be promotional people for his presence. He can take care of that. It's not that we're to remain silent. Oh no, Presbyterians are far too little on testimony. But it is to make sure that when we give a testimony, we don't subconsciously as some people do give more credit to ourselves than we do to the Lord by trying to explain a miracle which cannot be explained in human terms he just wants us to know that he's working in our lives and because he loves us and he created us to be well and happy and complete Don't worry or try to explain what the Lord has done for you. The Lord will reveal it in his own way in a very natural circumstance when you will have that opportunity, which is natural, to express your faith, your confidence, your thanksgiving, and your love. These are rules rules that we have learned from a ruler given to people who are still trying to rule their own lives by believing that everybody should come into the kingdom as easily as as have we people who who sometimes are trying to rule the world by getting discouraged at God's timetable people who try to rule by telling god how to do things people are who are trying to rule by interpreting god's miracles that only god himself can interpret let's quit trying to rule and let's be ruled by the only one who can rule all of life Tomorrow morning I start vacation. I'll see you in a few weeks. May God bless us all. Amen. And now, may the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent, one from the other. Amen.